And let that be a lesson, ladies and gentlemen. These coop left liberal radicals, they speak out, they put down this country, they talk CRT, and they do it for as a badge of honor. They do it to be elevated in status, worshiped, adored by the media, praised. We have to speak out. We have to put on the shield, so to speak, the Kevlar. And we have to be willing to speak just as they do. Respectful, polite, articulate. And take all arrows. Because trust me, if they were not scared of the people of this country, if they were not scared of you and me, they would not praise these cocksuckers like Springsteen and put us down and call us names every time you turn around. And that's up to us. Anyway, thank you. Uh, sorry about um, stepping on Mr. Aaron Lewis. Uh, just got a little irritated there all of a sudden. Um, you know, I've mentioned before, I was a Springsteen fan. Uh, fan of a, a lot of them. Uh, many, many of them. That has, has gladly gotten on the, the train that's traveling to Cookville. You know, and they're proud of it. All aboard, MFR. Come on. And... It just irritates the living shit out of me. You know, like if you had uh, an ungrateful child or, or a, the best example off the top of my head that you do and do and do and they always want more and more and more. And then when they reach the pinnacle, when these movie stars, singers, um, whomever that people hero worship because they can make a movie or they can sing or write a song and people give them a superstar status or look at them like you know they don't shit just like every one of us and I don't mean to be crude but so many people elevate them and because of that they think it gives them the right to take from this country to be in a country to take advantage of a talent, and I would never deny anybody's talent, but that doesn't give you carte blanche uh, freedom. I shouldn't say that. I, let me rephrase this. It's unbecoming, okay? It is unbecoming to take advantage of a free society, of a society that promotes, promotes, freedom, liberty, um, the belief that you can be what you want to be. That, no, everybody's not born equal. Uh, everybody's not guaranteed status, guaranteed happiness. There's no guarantees. If you're looking for a guarantee, go to friggin' Walmart, okay? And save your receipt. But 
the opportunity by and large is there for nearly everybody nearly everybody and those there are those that through insufficient mental capacities or physical or mental abuse that you know we've got to help it's you know especially as christians as just common decent folks but by and large everybody else has a chance to to fail or succeed and so here you're in a country whereas if you were in russia uh, Venezuela, Cuba, a hundred of them, of these foreign countries, you may not be afforded that same luxury to be rewarded for your talent. Or the government may choose a different line of work for you and suppress that natural born talent or that yearn that you have to share your art, to, to hone it. The government may have better plans for you or other plans. But you can pursue that here in the United States. And you can make millions and millions and millions of dollars. And then you mother effers turn right around and shit on this country and put them down. Put us down. And you effing so-and-sos irritate the shit out of me, especially that effing Robert De Niro. How just sickening. As big a fan from The Godfather, you know, what was it, Raging Bull, The Deer Hunter, I'll, you know, Taxi Driver wasn't one of my favorite movies, but you were good. He was good. The, the Mafia movies, uh, Goodfellas, Casino, great movies. I think you let some of that bullshit mafia crap get to your head because you think you're some kind of badass. You challenged Trump. Yeah, you're, you're a real tough guy, Bobby. You're going to challenge the President of the United States. You could have challenged anybody else in the free world and maybe have gotten a shot. Not to mention... I think Trump would kick your ass. But guess what? We'll never know because he has secret service. Guess what, Bobby? I'm down here in Jacksonville, Florida. I'm living on a farm. And you can come down here. Okay? And you can come down here and have a debate. Call me. Call me. Uh, we'll, we'll record it and I'll play it on the friggin' air. But we'll have an honest debate. And if you don't want to debate... If you want to get pissed off, we can go right outside. Because I can tell you with the attitude that you movie star, superstar elites that think just because you act or, or you've made a gazillion dollars, you have some magical insight that gives you the right to put down this country to just denigrate the president that half the country voted for and was duly elected but because you don't like him you don't like his rhetoric you don't like his policies you don't back down from 
making yourself look like an asshole and a, a stupid effing asshole. And I think I've said it before. My mama used to tell me, it's better for you to keep your mouth shut and let people think you're stupid rather than to open it and confirm or prove it. And almost 95% of all you radical kooks, when you get to talking politics and policy, you display just like that friggin' retard AOC, your idiocy, your incompetence, your inability to understand what is actually going on and how you float on the surface like a cork, riding the wave that you think is, is the popular wave. But every time you guys open your mouth, you, you're, it is idiocy, you're bias. You're, you're putting your false beliefs, you're, you're putting all this on full display. And you're proud, which there's nothing wrong with being proud, but you're wrong. And you're stupid. You're stupid because you don't understand what you're, you're fighting for or what you don't understand the damage that it does. That this country afforded you this opportunity, but if, if we go down the road that you're uh, espousing, that you're promoting, if we continue down that road that you are proud to, to fight, to, to support. The next kid from the Bronx or Hell's Kitchen or, you know, the slums of Detroit. The next kids won't be afforded the same luxuries that you were afforded. I don't know what percentage of people on our side fully understand the crossroads that we're at, but it's literally almost to that point. And I don't care, again, Voltaire, I may disagree with what you're saying, but I will fight to the death to allow you to say it. Something like that. Pretty close to it. You get the jest. But that gum, don't be so effing ungrateful. You, we don't have to agree. But damn it, acknowledge the opportunity you had. And rather than hanging around like-minded people Let's get in the arena of ideas, the arena of intellectual integrity and honesty about subjects, policies, and duke it out. And we'll duke it out on the ideas, on, on the policies, you know, rational, intellectual, adult debate. And we can go have a drink. and shoot the shit and, and, and get on.
you don't have to put this country down. And it pisses me off. And it pisses me off these effing blankety blanks that come to their defense and look at the rest of us and try to make us look like we're out of touch. We're the radical. We're the right-wing uh, conspiracy theorists, right-wing uh, radical. And all the choice names that they try to paint us when the majority of us are very simple. These things, and I, I will shout them to the rooftops. The Bible, the Ten Commandments, our founding documents, our founding principles, the Bill of Rights, the belief in property, ideas, family, you know, having the ability to go and earn property, raise a family, support, protect your family. <clears throat> These are simple values and principles that most of us hold near and dear. And, and the bad thing is, you know, there's a large number of Democrats that hold those same values. Large number of minority groups, Hispanics. You find it in the, uh, not a lot, but it's some, it's for a percentage it's there in black churches. Because of that church base, that base in God and religion. But they may still vote Democrat, but they believe in conservative, small c conservative principles. Republican, uh, small r Republican principles. Yet a lot of times they'll vote Democrat. Nevertheless, again, I apologize for stepping on Aaron Lewis. Um, I got a little carried away, but oh, gum. I want to say some bad words, bad, bad words. But, you know, it's such a pain in the ass to edit. Uh, I recorded five hours last week. I've published three. I'm on hour four of going through that. So I don't, I'll, if I can avoid editing, I want to do that. So I'm going to refrain from speaking like... <laughs> From, from having locker room talk like uh, Trump did with the, I don't know, the ABC dude when he said what he did. Um, no, I'd never say that uh, on here. I can't imagine saying it. If I did, I would edit it. Uh, nevertheless, so getting back to Aaron Lewis, I, you know, I look at that song as kind of the theme song for the podcast. Um the forgotten conservative, um, I kind of derived at that from like a funnel. It was like a funnel of different thoughts, trains of thought that just all kind of pointed to that theme, the forgotten conservative. One of those, um, you know, I talk about uh, the religious 
the religious sect or um, I, I, base. We'll just go with base, even though I don't think that's quite um, accurate because the Republican base now is not just solely that um, religious side, um, primarily because this country's losing religion, which is a shame, is another thing that maybe I'll cover tonight, maybe at a later date. But um, nevertheless, as far as a makeup of the base, so um, you have that, that religious part. Um, they call it the great unwashed, uh, the silent majority. There's names. Uh, these pollsters, these, uh, what do they call them, consultants, uh, again, they're from the elite class, um, and they have all these strategies and advice, and, um, you know, like, um, there was a candidate recently, oh, it was Dr. Oz, sent out fundraising emails, um, something to the effect of MAGA is dying, the MAGA brand is dying, we got to revive it, um, you know, send me money, vote for me, along those lines. I'm sure, I don't know if that was vetted by a consultant. I don't know who uh, pinned the email, created the email, so to speak, invented it, whatever. I don't know if it was Oz himself. I, I think he would have staff to do that. But you're in a fight for a U.S. Senate seat in Pennsylvania. You're not the strongest political candidate, okay? You're a TV doc. You're a doctor, okay? That's a hell of an accomplishment. You're a TV doctor. Successful, I assume, in both um, ventures, okay? As far as politics, you, you know, you you say the right things. You don't have a record. Um, so you got to be on your friggin' game, dude. You got, you, you got to be like, you know, friggin' Rocky, um, coming back in Rocky three against Clubber Lane, or Rocky four against uh, the friggin' Russian. Okay, F Apollo. Okay, Creed wasn't shit. Okay, Dr. Roz, if you have a chance of winning. You've got to be on your game every single day from here to November. And there's an email saying, uh, MAGA is dead. We need to revive MAGA. Um, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that I don't want Trump, Trump to run for president in 2024. That does not mean that his movement, his um, conservative governing his policies, his beliefs were not right up my alley. Okay, hopefully I'll get into it. I I discussed it a little bit last week in, in hour five. Again, I haven't listened to it. So if I get down that road tonight, it may be a little redundant, but there's been new developments since last Friday. So um, it'll still be uh, pertinent and relevant. Nevertheless, a candidate. You don't, that's something you don't do. 
Number one, it's always trying to be positive. Republicans are, you know, kind of known as being optimistic personalities. Some are, some put on um, a veneer, a fake, feign optimism. Uh, you know, everybody's different. Uh, there's no doubt that Reagan was a, a tremendous optimist. And Reagan was a type of governor, I say governor, um, executive, president, uh, because he was a governor of California, but his style is he wanted shit done. He didn't, he wanted to reduce the size of government and did to an extent, um, but there were pressing things that he wanted that he had hoped Bush would, you know, follow through on and pursue. Um, Bush was kind of like Biden this term. Dude, you don't even have to do anything. Just sit back, uh, you know, eat your fruity pebbles in the morning, get the, the surprise out of the box, you know, eat an apple, uh, you know, you might need some prunes, okay, I don't know. Get you a juice box, um, you know, if you need depends, whatever, but just sit back and do nothing. You may get a couple of free years, but we are moving in the right direction. Bush inherited that from Reagan. Obviously, Bush's, you know, Bush didn't turn out as bad as far as the economy, okay, that sort of stuff, as it is for Biden. But when these guys come in, like in Bush's case, H.W., tries to put his stamp on it, his brand, um, his policy, make a name for himself, you start tweaking around the edges and he got himself in trouble. We, the, I don't even have to begin the list of what this um, effing disaster residing in the White House has done now. Uh, it's just, it's a travesty of a country and I'll just leave it there it's, it's a travesty there may be a more stronger word but with what he inherited and and just the potential to you know get in the car dude the driver's got it on cruise control you're surrounded by steel and armor you know if you want to take a ride on Air Force One or you know you want to turn the siren on you know, the presidential limousine or something like that. Sure, turn the friggin' siren on. Suit yourself, but just sit back and enjoy the ride. So, this concept that came to me was about the people that are ignored. They call it flyover country. They call us the masses. Um, when they don't like the way we vote, they um, tiptoe around the tulips to insult us. Um, like this ongoing abortion deal. Um, you know, they, they talk about the Supreme Court taking rights and all this horse pucky. Again, I, I had the podcast 
abortion distortion because that's all it is. The, but they, without silencing us, their goal is to silence us because they are afraid of us. When, and, it, and it's been a, tem, a Democrat trait since I've been paying attention. You know who they're scared of because that's who they attack. Um, I.e., right now, Trump and DeSantis. Speaking of which, we have the first two uh, quasi-Republican um, contenders, so to speak, uh, Mike Pence and Nikki Haley, the former governor of South Carolina and, um, I guess, U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. I'm not sure if that was her title, but she was an ambassador. Uh, tough as nails, chick. Tough as nails. Uh, she was a governor of South Carolina when that piece of shit went into that black church and shot him up after they prayed for him. And, and then forgave him like 30 minutes later. Just incredible. That's, that's all of us. That's what all of us are. That, those, I'm glad I thought about those women, those parishioners, at least the living ones. Standing out, telling the news that they prayed for him before he did what he did and they're praying for him afterwards and they forgive him. And we want to, to bring Jesus to his heart. Sister, I don't know if I could. I really don't. But Dad Gummit, you are a microcosm of the people of this country. We may not all be that forgiving but we let quite a bit go and forget and give second chances but I'm glad I, I thought of it because the parishioners that congregation um, shows what this country can be the greatness the potential greatness of this country and the reason why this country was founded on religion, on God, in God we trust, etc. Um, anyway, getting back to the, to the concept of the name, um, how policy is made that, you know, again, we're right here, right here in the middle of this uh, fiasco with everything. They have effed it up six ways to Sunday and now they're, they're wanting us to believe they're the ones that can fix it which is has been going around for the last hundred years trust me okay this this I say it all the time this is nothing new they f up the f up the system and then they're the only ones that can fix it just like 2010 with Obamacare they knew that was an effed up system a boondoggle a black hole for billions of dollars. They knew it. They just wanted to get it in the door and then they could fix it, tweak it, etc. And I, I don't know if I've mentioned before in a previous podcast, but, you know, based on um, the promises, based on Obama going all over the country promoting the legislation. 
I think every single year outside of 2012, 2014, 16, 18, 20, I'm sure it's going to come up in these campaigns this year. Healthcare is on the, the agenda every single cycle since 2012. And it was passed in 2010. And it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. But it's still not good enough. So they effed up the healthcare system, one-sixth of our economy. And so now it's up to the Democrats to swoop in and fix today. Because only they know how to do it. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, anyway. There's comments of in the middle of nowhere. I, I think I've mentioned the comment that Bill Crystal made before a Super Bowl, a uh, despicable human being, nevertheless. And he tweeted it, I believe, in Stephanie, is that her name? Stephanie Zolito? Um, I think her last name's Zolito. And I'm pretty sure it's Stephanie. Anyway, this dude tweets. Um, he feels sorry for all the people basically in New England that had to trek across the country in their vehicles to maybe Minnesota for the Super Bowl and deal with um, the common folk. And it was just disgusting. It was truly a put down of the great people of this country. And, and I've been probably on every road they were on driving my semi. And I'm telling you, it's just amazing meeting people all around this country. It's just absolutely amazing. And, you know, of course, I'm a, I'm a truck driver, but whatever those people did that I met along the way, all, all across this country, I was, of course not, you don't think about this at, at the time, but in a moment of reflection like this, you're glad that they're doing what they do. And you're hoping that everybody is successful. At least I do. I want everybody to be successful and prosper. So, I'm one of those. I'm, I've said it before, just a, a, a redneck trucker that's got a, a geeky, dorky side to him and has a passion and a love, respect and honor for this country and what I was given, what I've inherited. And if I can somehow pass it on in some small way, then, uh, you know, I've done it. I, I tried to instill it in my, my boys, my kids, my ball players when I coached. But it, it doesn't diminish the fact that we are forgotten, we are overlooked, we're taken for granted. I want to get into this Arizona, um, I think it's the Senate race, uh, GOP, Republican primary. I want to get into that. Hopefully I'll get it at the end here. Um, and so having that mindset of coming into this as a forgotten, overlooked 
um, unit of the masses, quote unquote, I wanted to push back. I wanted to say, I'm not taking it. I don't agree. Um, so I, you know, obviously wanted to do my part, as I've stated. Then I hear this song. I've been doing the podcast maybe a couple of months or so. My sweetheart, I think, is the one that turned me on to it. Um, and it sums up, you know, the title, Am I the Only One? Couldn't, I couldn't have picked or written anything more perfect to match the forgotten conservative, that title. I mean, it's just, it's perfect. Um, oh, had to pause and get a sip of my iced tea from my handy dandy 32 ounce Yeti that I had a buddy of mine at the railroad, uh, I guess he power coated it, liberal tears and melted snowflakes. And, you know, this is a way to tweak them. It's a way to tweak them. Dare them to engage. Um, I've taken it to work, you know, hoping to, to get somebody to engage. So nevertheless, it occurred to me tonight as I start this process of getting the computer up and running, getting the microphone working, um, kind of playing this out in my head as the evening evolves, things I want to cover. I took notes last week. I told you between hour one and two. I think I covered everything for the most part, but it was, you know, it was scattered, just like me. You know, grandma would say scatterbrain. Um, so as this, I'm getting my computer up and, and, and running and ready to, to hit record, it dawns on me. I'm so huge on property, uh, whether it's physical property, your ideas, your your designs, uh, whatever it is that you create being your property. And it's rightfully yours. And I always say, you know, along the lines, the government wants at least in the property department reduce ideas or give you your ideas. Re reduce property as far as Weapons, Second Amendment, uh, free speech, uh, the um, freedom, or, or however it reads, to practice religion. And I thought, man, you are a friggin' hypocrite. You sit here and you've preached property and the value of individual property over and over. You've read an essay or at least excerpts from probably the foremost, um, uh, how, how would you put that? The foremost article or explanation of property of how the founders looked at it, especially James Madison, father of the Constitution, uh, instrumental in the Bill of Rights, etc. How he viewed property and how uh, you know, obviously deriv driven, um, derived from philosophers of, the, of history, all ages, from the ancients to 
the modern at that time, like Locke, um, and what the founders thought about, how they perceived property. So here you are just railing the in importance of, of, of property, of whatever variety, and you're stealing this man's property. Now, not necessarily stealing. It may be too strong of a term, but that's his property. And even though I looked at it, there's something in radio and TV uh, called fair use. Uh, like on Sunday, you watch ESPN and they've got the highlights from all the games. It's basically, it's a part of the fair use law that they pull the feed from CBS, NBC, or what have you. So I kind of originally dovetailed, no matter what I was playing, the national anthem early on, uh, you know, Ray Charles, um, whatever I played. You know, I kind of umbrellaed it under fair use, even though it's probably not accurate. But ultimately, I can uh, wiggle around it, tap dance around it, but ultimately it's his property. And I, it didn't even dawn on me. It honestly didn't as from that perspective, from that angle. And I take the blame for it. It's my fault. I should have. I've realized it now and I'll try to address it and get in touch, write him a letter, um, get permission. So I don't know going forward. I'll have to, this is something that literally just hit me minutes before I started recording. Um, the irony or hypocrisy of uh, me preaching property rights and, and government intrusion, infringement on every little bit they can get their greedy, you know, hands on. Um, although obviously mine's not malice, but, it, you know, malice in that particular case is irrelevant. I would like to think if um, Aaron Lewis could hear a podcast and, you know, <laughs> make it through my rambling dribble, um, rabbit holes, that, you know, he would give me permission. I don't know. I'm going to seek that I'm going to attempt to do that. So the future of that will is up in the air. Um, but that's just somebody like me who values this stuff and you know wants to preach it, so to speak, um, defend it, and I'm sitting here violating that man's property. So. That's how easy it is. That's how we get caught up. And that's how we wake up, <coughs> excuse me, and they're having um, Dick's drag show at school day, you know, to our fifth graders or whatever, or teaching CRT, or teaching false history about the founding of this country. That's how it happens, just like that. Perfect example. 
So, um, you know, it, it somewhat bothers me. I'm not going to perseverate over it, but I'm surprised that it did not occur to me until this, this minute um, because it should have occurred to me. And uh, I don't, I, you know, I could just, I'm not going to make an excuse. I'll, I'll apologize when I try to contact you and, you know, go from there. That's all I can do. Uh, another sip of unsweet tea there. So with that being said, there is a couple of things I want to go over. Ironically, speaking of fair use, there is something um, I did want to play that kind of goes back to philosophy and the importance of it. Um, I think, in all honesty, this would come under fair use, but it's an Archbishop of Philadelphia. Um, oh, shit, I forget his name now. But... I think it's very um, important and I hope it hits you guys the way it hit me the, the first time uh, that I heard it because it, 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 it touched me. So again, this is an archbishop in Philadelphia and this was at maybe some it was in some type of church in Washington, D.C. So he went to Washington, D.C., into the mouth of the lion. And this is part of what he had to say. A long time ago, in Germany, a man kept a diary. And some of his words are worth sharing today because they're a good place to begin our discussion. The man wrote, quote, speak both to the powerful and to every man, whoever he may be, appropriately and without affectation. Use plain language. Receive wealth or prosperity without arrogance and be ready to let it go. Order your life well in every single act. Behave justly to those who are around you. Be vigilant over your thoughts so that nothing should steal into them without being well examined. He wrote, again, quote, Every moment, focus steadily on doing the task at hand with perfect and simple dignity and with feeling of affection and freedom and justice. Put away hypocrisy, put away self-love and discontent with your portion in life. We were made for cooperation and to act against one another is contrary to nature. Accept correction gladly, teach without anger. Keep yourself simple, good, pure, serious, a friend of justice, kind, affectionate, and strenuous in all proper acts. And finally he wrote, quote, take care never to feel towards those who are inhuman 
the way they feel towards other men. End of quote. The dictionary in my home in Philadelphia defines wisdom as the understanding and pursuit of what is true, right, or lasting. If that's so, and I believe it is, the words from the diary we just heard are wisdom. They offer us a map to living a worthy life, a life of interior peace, flowing out of moral character and purpose. They're as valuable today as when they were first written. But what's interesting is this. They were written more than 1,800 years ago. The author probably didn't intend his, to see his work published. He wrote mainly for himself to strengthen his convictions. And many of his thoughts, which we now call the meditations, were written at war, at night, in winter, from the inside of a Roman military tent on the German frontier. In his 19 years as emperor, Marcus Aurelius Antonius had no long period of peace. He spent much of his life away from Rome with his army. He fought one brutal war after another against invaders. And he did it to defend a society that had already lost the values he held dear. Moreover, in the long run, he failed. The barbarians won. Rome rotted out and unraveled. His own son, Commodus, became one of the worst tyrants in history. So why do we remember him? We remember him because nothing is more compelling than a good man in an evil time. Very powerful words. Um, I know I've mentioned Marcus Aurelius before. Uh, he's got a book called The Meditations. Um, as the Archbishop stated, um, it was mainly written, you know, away from Rome at, at nights during uh, battle, so to speak. Uh, the Archbishop stated he didn't, he probably didn't intend for this to be published. Um, I think it's pretty evident that he did not, first of all, he didn't write the meditations to be published. <clears throat> One of the things that I've talked about before is as a conservative, you have to constantly be conservative, constantly think, not necessarily issues or policies or, or Washington or, or it's, it's not that. But I've mentioned before about some of the stuff I get into, uh, books that I've read over and over, uh, just things just like that. I, I hadn't heard that in probably six months. And, and so one of the things I did yesterday was I searched it out and listened to it. And Lincoln used to do this. Uh, he would write at the desk. I mean, he was, he was lonely. He was depressed. Um, you know, the war was just brutal. 
and he felt every bit of it. So to maintain his resolve uh, for his personal edification, he would sit at the desk and, and just write and write out thoughts, principles, values, uh, you know, just things of that nature. So I don't know how, what you, you know, I don't want to speak for anybody else. Um, because of my job, I don't go to church. Um, but, you know, I, there's a couple of podcasts I listen to, Unashamed, um, which is done by the Duck Dynasty guys. I would highly encourage it. And I would even encourage you to go back to the beginning. Uh, it's that significant. Unashamed. Uh, there's also a preacher, David Jeremiah, that I listen to. Uh, but Marcus Aurelius' Meditations, I bought two copies, and I ended up giving both copies away. Um, you can find it on Amazon. It's just a thin, smaller book, fit in a back pocket, fit in a, a purse. Um, or you can get it online. I mean, I don't know about Kindle, uh, you know, uh, what do you call them? Audio books. Hell, you could, I'm sure it's probably free. Uh, one of those um, sites or um, programs, etc. Uh, the, the book, paperback book, probably five bucks, maybe. I don't know. I, I haven't bought it in several years. I need to get another copy for me. But it's something, no matter what's going on in your life, you can open this book anywhere, at any time, and, and read some of the things like you just heard tonight. And I sincerely hope that it comes across quality-wise. Because it is, it's exactly what I've talked about. And when I was seeking it out, I think yesterday, I didn't do it in that vein. I did it because I hadn't heard it and I knew it was something that I missed and something that I needed. It was only afterwards that I kind of put two and two together and understood why I searched for stuff like that. Because I, I need to edify, reinforce uh, my ideals, thoughts, principles, beliefs, uh, resolve, just resolve to continue to, to stand up and do my part um, and to, to try and remember and understand why. And, you know, the other part of that is that it still goes back to philosophy. And I'm going to preach this till the cows come home. Uh, speaking of which, I haven't seen those cows in a few days. Um, thank the good Lord I don't have to dodge cow chips in my front yard anymore. But nevertheless, okay, I digress. Anyway, because what we're living today, whether you understand it, whether it's been accurately explained, we're living in a battle primarily of two different philosophies and there's I can't make it any more plain than that 
and it goes across the board, whether it's schools, whether it's the energy, um, you know, the government, the size of government, the uh, arrogance to believe that they are the only ones that can solve these complex problems of today. And again, one of the things that I, I got it from Rush, it's not my original thought, but you, you never see the scoreboard. You know, you, you can never look up there and, and say, okay, we've spent X number of dollars on war, uh, on poverty, or X number of dollars on this, or X number of dollars on this. And we, we have nothing positive to show for it. In fact, it's gotten worse. So at some point, you keep creating these problems and then keep telling us that you're the only ones that can solve them, but you never solve them, which is kind of like a, a, a mm, let's say a under the surface theory, theory of mine on medicine. You know, I, to an extent, I think there's a sector there's that don't want to cure you, don't want to make you better. If you don't go to the doctor, you, you don't make no money. And of course it goes deeper, more complex than that, but just as a surface um, quasi, again, under the radar theory, I, I believe that to an extent, you know, if, if it's fixed, if it's perfect, why, why do we need them? Again, with Biden at the beginning of the top of the hour, if he'd have just come in, sat back, put it on cruise control, you know, ate, well, Rice Krispie treats or whatever, and milk, and just rode the rides, rode the merry-go-round. We'd be a hell of a lot better off right now than, than we are under this regime's policies. And it all goes back to philosophy. So look for something in your life, whether it's God, whether it's Bible verses, um, hell, even, uh, you know, something like definition of the day or Bible verse of the day or listen to a, a podcast. Give Unashamed a, a try or look up David Jeremiah, Turning Point. There's an app. I know an Android. I don't know about Apple, but nothing long, nothing uh, too heavy, so to speak. But find something. Pray. Find what it is that you need to reinforce and to edify your thoughts, your, your principles to give you strength. Maybe to walk around the office with something that says liberal tears and melted snowflakes. Maybe to wear a Trump shirt. Maybe, you know, a bumper sticker, a yard sign. But just as I talked about them assholes at the beginning of the podcast, you know, that one of their chants, we're loud and we're proud. They are praised and worshipped and put on a, a pedestal while we're constantly put down 
simply for no other reason than they're afraid of us. They're afraid of our power. But we have to be willing to fight for it. And that's why I look up some of the read and, you know, I mean, that's a part of, of this. I mean, granted, it, it's a, a hint of catharticism, maybe, if that's the proper use of that word. Um, knowledge, teaching, doing my part, but also reinforcing how I feel. Learning, like I did tonight, about another man's property. Anyway, that will wrap it up for hour one. We'll take a little break and see you on the other side.